0: Welcome to
1: Please Bet on Football
0: Games. Welcome to a week eleven recap episode of Please Bet on Football Games. Did you miss us? We missed you, but not as much as we missed competent quarterback play. I'm Joe, the keeper of the real at BMAT FTS. This is my co-host Alex. How's it going,
1: Joe? Happy to be back after a little bit of a layoff. You guys can find me at I underscore like underscore sports six.
0: So I can't be the keeper of the reel if we just casually have my worst week of all time and then breeze over it. And uh, we are are deeply sorry that we didn't record last week. We actually did. We recorded a recap pod exactly a week ago, just as the Monday night football game was starting, just like we are right now. But uh, it was heavily centered around the Rams performing well. And when they came out and shat all over themselves, the pod didn't make any sense. And then we just didn't have time to record for the rest of the week. So it got away from us.
1: Yeah, we had some things come up. For me, it was some, some work and also just shame. But <laughs> it, it, it hasn't been a great last, last two weeks. Um, but we're back. You know,
0: we we're, we're feel like we're... Let me stop you because I know you're going to try to put a, a rosy spin on it. And it's going to be tough without numbers. So in week 10, the pod picks were down 4.26 units, 20% winners, (laughs) not great. And then in week 11, we were down 2.18 units, 40% winners, still not good. But our margin on the year, all things considered is still 5.36 units up. We have still won 54% of our bets and our ROI is still 8.5. Those numbers are still great. And like, no, we're no longer, in second place in the super contest, but we're still in the money, we're still good, and we're only getting better because we can't get worse.
1: Yeah, it, it, the last two weeks were very bad. I mean, they, didn't feel,
0: the they didn't feel like we're good.
1: No, they were, they were both, <laughs> they were awful, uh, both times. I mean, this last week didn't feel anywhere near as bad, I think, because a little bit of acceptance of just like, man, after you have a week where I, I lost 10 units, um, I was like, I don't even care, man. I'm just here having fun watching sports, getting back to my namesake. That's what we're out here for, right? Just, just watching some football and getting involved. Um, so that one it, this week losing three units didn't hurt all that much, even though that still sucks. Uh, the pod got a little bit better this week, but another tough one. Since hard, it's all right, hard not year,
0: hard not to improve upon one and four.
1: I mean, you're right, but we could. It's very possible to go one and <laughs> five next week like they we could continue to screw up i don't think we're going to because i have maybe misplaced but blind confidence in us um so we're gonna get back into it but yeah it's been real rough last couple weeks and we we're sorry we uh we missed you guys
0: uh quickly so we spent a lot of time on our week 10 unreleased podcast talking about like where we fucked up and how we can get better and what we did wrong. And, you know, we thought like maybe we didn't pay enough attention to all of the like little like old head duct tape shoe capper things. Like, oh, they're, they're in a low motivation spot. Well, sometimes you can't account for just like the quarterback on the team we bet on played like shit. Like, if Matt Stafford puts up an F game, there's no amount of psychological handicapping I can do that will save me from that. But also, you can't bet on a team thinking Matt Stafford's gonna have an F game. Like, so shit's going to happen. The quarterback play in the NFL over the last two weeks has been just terrible. And a lot of our handicapping is based upon quarterback evaluation. So whatever. We'll be all right. I lost eight bets. I lost all eight of my bets on Christmas, week 16, 2020, down eight units that week. And then I won, like, 25 units in the coming four or five weeks. So we'll be okay.
1: All right, Joe, let's get into some recap. So the first game – we had the green Bay Packers. We lost. They ended up losing by
0: three. I think I had them uh, a one, one point number. Yeah. Uh, like it might sound like sour grapes, but this was an unfair result and that's just that.
1: Yeah. It was a tough one. So that like was I, I, one. I, would,
0: I would do that bet again, every time.
1: I, exactly. hundred percent that I would do that as the best bet. That would be the same one that I would pick every time from that week going in. But then we did turn around a little bit with Indianapolis uh, pulling it off against the Bills.
0: Honestly, that went even better than I thought it would have. Like, we caught a lucky end of variance, but I still think it was a great bet, and I'm not going to apologize for a win.
1: 100%. Unfortunately, we we did have a little bit of a miss. I'm not going to actually say we. I'll let you <laughs> take this one. The, uh, the New Orleans Saints have, had a bit of a stinker against the Eagles.
0: Yeah, so – I did have to make my picks a little bit uh, independent of Alex this past week on account of us not doing a call. Like, when we go over our picks, like, you're hearing it. So I was kind of winging it. And uh, I liked New Orleans. It was a fair result. I was just dumb. Yeah, that was just a tough one.
1: And then we had another tough one with the Las Vegas Raiders. I think this one was a fair result as well. They just got beat up by the Bengals. This is uh, – the Raiders are a below-average team.
0: Yeah, I mean, we – this was a fair result. I totally overlooked the fact that the Bengals were coming off a bye. I was getting really dumb on me. But, you know, yeah, I, I fucked up. It was, not a, it was a fair result and a bad bet.
1: But, luckily, we got some, uh, some positivity to end the week. You had a good bet on Kansas City. And they ended up pulling off in pretty uh, pretty easy fashion against the Cowboys.
0: Yeah, I actually think we got a little bit of unlucky on that bet. Like, I think that we caught a favorable Cowboys finish. That game could have been worse. So, it was a great bet. I'd do it again. I'd fucking do it again, too.
1: <laughs> All right, with that said, let's get into the fuck segments.
0: The fucks!
1: We give you fucks. All right, seeing that this week was also not as great. We'll we'll get the lumps out of the way. We'll own up quick. Let's start off with fucked up. Joe, I'm gonna go ahead and let you start.
0: Yeah, so I fucked up. I wrote I wrote very explicitly on Twitter. I don't think the Trevor Simeon's that big of a downgrade from Jameis because Sean Payton calls plays with his purse. And I I was wrong. It was all the Jameis turnovers, but with none of the upside. And that'll that'll fucking hurt as well as the fact that the Saints' entire offense is hurt. Less than ideal. I should have known that. I didn't. But their defense did not adjust. Uh, uh, The Eagles could not pass the ball efficiently. They just couldn't. And the Saints were happy about that and then just ignored the fact that the Eagles were running all over them. At no point did they spy Hurts, which they totally should have. At no point did they move their coverage down into more of like a cover two buzz When we recorded in the unreleased pod, the lost pod, if you will, we talked about how the Saints defensive coordinator actually has some balls, and therefore he he calls man defenses all the time. It turns out he just only knows how to call man defenses. So I fucked up. I didn't properly handicap the matchups, and I didn't properly handicap the tragedy that was Trevor Simeon. I fucked up and I lost the bet. And that happens. That happens a lot when you bet on positive odds teams money line. So
1: Yeah, this one I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dunk on you because I did not bet on the Eagles. I was not going to bet on the Eagles. But I did tell you don't fucking do that. Yeah, <laughs> no. Camaro was beat up. You didn't know if the tackles were gonna play. And Simeon is a bad backup quarterback running a shell of Sean Payton's offense that has a bunch of like their O-line in their run game has been their strength because their receivers are all not good or hurt and then all their good players on their O-line and run game or best players in their O-line run game got hurt and the Eagles aren't good but they're scrappy and they're they're kind of the like Patriots light to me right now in that they're not actually that talented, but they somehow like staying close in games they shouldn't really or winning games they shouldn't. I I, I don't really know what to make of it, honestly, because they can't pass the ball at all. I, d-
0: they, I they can't throw. You know what it is? And I, I'm struggling with this too, but the Patriots and the Eagles both provide something very different to the opposing team, and defenses just don't really know how to handle them. Because like, so for instance, the Chargers defense is slightly below average, but the Eagles made them look terrible because the Chargers philosophy is basically, we'll give you the run. We'll give you the little shit. We'll take away the big shit. And the Eagles and Patriots are uniquely good at taking the little shit. Jalen Hurts can dink and dunk. I mean, he's not good at passing, but like, he's very willing to check it down. Teddy Bridgewater style. Like his mindset is give me anything as long as it's easy. You know, he's not looking to put his foot on your throat. And then as a runner, he's, a, he's an effective runner. So they, they provide the same kind of general challenge to a defense. And right now it's just hitting.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. They're, they're kind of like the inverse. I'm doing a little bit of like push when the NFL pulls. Of they're very run heavy. They're big, physical. And they just kind of beat up on you. They don't care if they can't really catch up to you because they're dictating a lot with physicality. And yeah, I it seems weird. And I think it really is the physicality. I'm trying to go into it because I know that's what happened to the Browns. That's what's happened to some of the other teams. And I think it's why you see some of the late game uh, work that the Eagles are able to do is because they just beat down on you a little bit and they just run into you and they just dominate you with a good offensive line and a really physical and also good defensive line. And you're just tired. And so I think that's where they're getting it from, but they're not talented. So it, it's, it bends my brain a little bit.
0: A lot of this is also just this time of year, middle of the, you know, November, when it gets cold out, weird shit happens in the NFL because we are at that point in the season where you, me, everybody listening to this and all of the players kind of feel like the season has been going on forever, but it's also going to continue to go on forever. So you're not like, nobody's getting up for these fucking games the way they are early in the season. The games don't feel very consequential right now. Like, it's just kind of a meh. So if you're a desperate team and you do something a little different that's a little harder to game plan for, you're going to have a little bit of success. And it'll fade, but this is just a bad time for us, and I think that's all we can say for now.
1: Definitely. Let's uh, continue the little sad run. Talk about Green Bay.
0: Yeah. this uh, Like we said earlier, this game was fucking bullshit. If Darnell Savage catches any of the three interceptions he dropped, or the one, Kirk Cousins threw five pickable balls, four to Denzel, or Darnell Savage, three of them he just straight up dropped. One of them he actually caught, but the refs called an absolutely bullshit roughing the passer penalty, as is weekly tradition. One game always gets like a roughing the passer call that changes the game, and everybody's like, what the fuck? We don't even know what football is. And it just happened to be the game that we bet on this week. But... If any of those turn into picks, the Packers cover. There was also one more pickable ball. I don't remember the name of the safety who almost caught it for the Packers. He dropped it. So five pickable balls. If any of them turn into interceptions, Packers cover easy. If Darnell Savage catches that last one on the final drive, boy, do they cover easy. I've been jumping for joy. If the Vikings didn't get a 35-yard defensive pass interference call in their favor on third and long, on a ball that was wildly off target we cover easy there's just a lot of bullshit in this game and i do not think that i missed even one iota on this bet in fact aaron Rodgers played better than i thought he would have because while he was terrible in the first half he was really good in the second half and he hasn't been really good in any halves this year
1: yeah i guess this one is isn't as much of an i fucked up as much as just the league fucked us the football world fucked us whatever it's a tough one. I feel like it goes and I fucked up because it was best bet. And there was an avenue that the Vikings come out. It's a divisional game. We have seen Rogers play not great recently, but then, and he was very bad early, but then he was elite in the second half. So I feel like it balances out somewhat. This one might be is more of just a miss.
0: Listen, I try to be like objective about myself. I try to be a little bit humble. I try to admit when I fucked up. That's the whole point of this segment. But a lot of the time when I seem like I fucked up, it's actually that I'm fucking right, and God's just mad at me. Like, God doesn't like that I'm so smart and see the shit so easy, so he comes after my ass to put me down a peg. When I win my bets, it's because I'm great. When I lose my bets, God is fucking me. That is all it is. I'm joking, but not as much as I wish I was.
1: You know what, as long as you're aware of it, you're good. Then you can... Anytime anyone calls you out on it, you just be like, you're right, I know.
0: Yeah. like, it, like
1: just, it diffuses.
0: People may have noticed that my character is a little bit of an arrogant dick, and yours is like a sane, honest dude. But it's not really a character. I'm an arrogant dick. Tell me, and I'll tell you what your name is. Joe, you're an arrogant dick. Your name is Alex. That was nice. No, that was great. We're professionals.
1: I also appreciate you just trying to uh, speak sane, honest human into existence for me. I like that. Well, by contrast. That's a very fair point. But we can finish this I fucked up segment with the Las Vegas Raiders and the special teams coach interim effect has completely fallen apart.
0: Yeah. So that's one thing is that, like, the emotional roller coaster that was Gruden getting fired, emotional, like, good guy coach gets the helm and then banding together possibly over – Several teammates doing murder-related things. Um, the Raiders are toast, it seems, and some of this is my lack of due diligence. I did not know that the Bengals were coming off of a buy. I should have known that. That's that's like square one. The Bengals have actually been pretty good off of a buy because Zach Taylor is actually a solid coach, uh, despite what his record may say. I also didn't consider that Derek Carr might just kind of be who he's been all year like all year he's been getting away with being a bad quarterback like he's played very poorly and he is still produced very well and this game he continued playing exactly as poorly and actually got punished for it but the biggest thing i fucked up on is i didn't know that the lines would change for the ravens and the cardinals games because literally i would have picked either ravens minus one or cardinals plus three over this in a heartbeat uh and in reality I did but yeah I fucked up I wasn't diligent and that's what happens when you don't get to have the call man that's why this is so important
1: yeah I know I was about to say I think the I fucked up in this is just that we we didn't do the pod and we we suffered we didn't do our our injury look and our deep dive were yeah the raiders they they had that little bump after Gruden got fired it it happens seemingly every time a coach gets fired that the the team plays really well for you know one to like six weeks there's some some range in there and then it just burns out and you go back to the reality of having an interim head coach and the Raiders have the issue that their interim head coach is also a special teams coach that should not be doing this no and we we talked about it a little bit of when he had that like super emotional uh, press conference he cried up there and while I think that's why we got a really big boost from them and they had some really great games, it's why we're seeing this massive fall now. Because Anybody... now going...
0: <laughs> we, we said it then and we'll say it again. Anybody who's that happy to get a job should not have that job.
1: Exactly. And and so now that like the emotion has worn off, he has no other moves. The man has one move and it's get everyone really emotionally hyped up. But when that's not there, they're trash. Yeah. yeah, so the Raiders the Raiders are in a tough spot, and yeah, given the Bengals were coming off a bye, we, we should have done our due diligence, but with that said, we can get into some happier notes. How are we going to talk about fuck you, pay me this week?
0: All right, first off, we're going to start with Josh Allen. I said it when he was coming out of Wyoming, this kid sucks. I said it his first two years in the NFL, he proved he sucks. Last year when he was putting together this season that everybody sucked his dick for, quietly quietly i said i'm not fucking sold maybe he's been better he has but a lot of his performances are kind of shit with like one well-timed great play like last the 2020 season for josh allen was basically 33 percent of his plays were i mean this is not this is not empirical do not take these numbers for gospel they might be a little bit off but like a third of his plays were passable or better and then two-thirds of his plays were bad. But it just so fell last year that it would end up being third and 25, and then his passable or better play would be a 28-yard dart, which is not a sustainable way of creating offense. It's not precise. It's it's fucking chaos. And that's what Josh Allen is. He's chaos. Literally anything can happen on any play if he is touching the ball. It could be a, a fucking 99-yard run where he breaks 80 tackles. It could be a sack for negative 20 yards. It could be an 80-yard bomb that is on a dime. It could be a screen that is 10 yards high. Anything could happen. And uh, this week, we got even worse Josh Allen than I expected. Like, I thought that this game would be close. Colts could pull one out. Colts would at least come within a touchdown. We got a lot of room here to wiggle. And... Uh, Josh Allen put in one for the books and this entire year he's been bad. He had the one a minus game against Kansas city. And other than that against terrible teams, mind you like the dolphins and the Jaguars, he has been D and worse. He's bad. Yeah. It's very convenient for him
1: that he had his great season last year, which it was very good. He had the the handful of games, but he was also hurt. He had messed up his shoulder. Like he had a harness on. So and seeing how Baker is playing with one, yeah, it can mess with your accuracy a little bit when he already struggles with it. So I don't hurt him too much for those games. I think last year was really, he he really stepped up. I think it was a lot of Dable too. I wanted to see if it would continue this year because I was starting to turn the corner on him because he has improved every year.
0: I felt I felt very insecure feeling that he was a little bit of a, a mirage. And that's why I was quiet about it. Like I was like, he's a mirage. But then I was like, oh, what's that over there? Don't pay attention to my take.
1: Yeah, so I I was kind of in that same boat that, and maybe it even moved a little bit more towards, all right, maybe I was wrong. And he did have the ability to develop uh, his accuracy to a functional or good spot. But this year he has reverted back to like 2019, Josh Allen, where he truly is chaos. He is a tornado that he might go and, exactly all the variables you listed out, you have no idea Like he could do so many things and your range of emotion watching him play is the most extreme roller coaster you can go on. And, and that's where some of his value is and where it's hard to bet on him to an extent, because he can have those games where he plays terrible, but then he has like four plays that are just unbelievable and they can change a game. It's the same thing with Lamar where Lamar can be a terrible passer He's making bad decisions he's fumbling but he's so electric that he can turn some plays that are completely dead into touchdowns
0: do you know do you know what Josh Allen is do you know what Josh Allen is and we said this we said this for years and then we got away from it but now more than ever dude he's Cam Newton He,
1: he really is he's obviously got a stronger arm than Cam but they play so similar
0: like, like, young Cam, when he had it, wasn't injured, he didn't fuck up his shoulder, all that stuff. When he had, I mean, Cam's arm was like a good 65-yard arm. It was a great arm. Allen's is obviously the greatest I've ever seen. It's Jeff George level, Jamarcus Russell level. Like, it's that good. Um, I uh, It's, it's young Cam Newton, and that is a bad thing. It is a terrifying thing if you've bet against him, because he could do something awesome. But, I mean, he's just, he doesn't have it. It's weird, though, because he's he's huge, and he's strong, and he's fast, and he's got a cannon arm. And he's actually a fairly intelligent quarterback. So how does he suck? Because he can't hit anything.
1: Yeah, I think he's he, he, you don't just get more accurate. I think accuracy is the hardest thing to work on as a quarterback, you don't just get more accurate, you have to like work on it and be diligent about you know your mechanics your feet everything of your release point all that so he has to actively fight what he wants to do which is being accurate
0: like when your game is chaos and athleticism and creativity you can't focus on your mechanics enough to be like artificially accurate
1: it's just he doesn't exactly. have that
0: understanding of his body
1: yeah because it's really hard for him and. It, it's just one of those things where he has the incredible physical tools that he can run like he can while also being able to throw the ball 85 yards or whatever it is. But it he doesn't hit stuff very accurately. Like, that's just the part of him as a guy.
0: The broad walls of Barnes are safe in Josh Allen's
1: neighborhood. <laughs> and but yeah, so and that happens and we see this. You were right. Uh, Indy had a good game plan for them they came out they played a good game as they've kind of quietly been playing well
0: well they were always a decent team they're just not good and therefore they're going to lose to the legit good teams and they played a lot of legit good teams
1: yeah and so this was a little bit of you got the bad version of josh allen i think it's also a little bit that buffalo their defense is good but they're kind of overrated at this point they're a lot of hot air because they still haven't played anyone, and they're just so inconsistent. They, I mean, if they get in a playoff run, they could go all the way because they do have crazy talent. But I wouldn't bet on it. I would. I would bet
0: against it. I yeah. I don't think. Oh, that, yeah, I think other. I, I don't think they're any more than a likely. first. Yeah, I don't think they're anything more than a first round exit. I think they're just good enough to hold off New England and not good enough to really hang with the teams that. Oh fuck no, they're AFC. Oh my yeah, this god, this the other issue. The other
1: issue.
0: <laughs> there's well, Kansas City and Tennessee if they put together decent weeks, but they're not the most consistent
1: either. Yeah, and the the part with the Bills is that they just have to get Josh Allen hot because you just need a few crazy games from him. Hit you that high variance. Him. Yeah. And so that's where the variance helps you and like any and that's why you get crazy playoff, playoff runs because anything can happen, but he could do a Joe Flacco how the yeah. I mean, they're very different players and they're, you know, they achieve the same result in different ways. And it's a hell of a lot more fun watching Josh Allen play than it ever was watching Joe Flacco play. (laughs) But yeah, I could see that being kind of a similar like success rate for them. It'll be interesting to watch them going forward, but it was definitely a, a, a fun vindicating game to see. Josh Allen continue to struggle, and in a game where people actually paid attention, that's the issue with him. Is that his one good game was the one game everyone has watched the Bills play.
0: Yep, no, I. So you know what I I got to brag for a second here because this is what this fucking segment's for, right? The second that I saw, um, somebody on Twitter tweeted something to the effect of uh, the the Bills aren't gonna play with fire they're going to lock Josh Allen up to this mega contract before the season. And somebody retweeted it onto my timeline, basically saying like Baker Mayfield sucks because he didn't get this. To which I said, when did signing Josh Allen to a big contract become not playing with fire? Like he is literally fire. And if you are paying him, you are therefore playing him. And if you are playing Josh Allen, you are quite literally playing fire. So well, not quite literally, but you are literally playing with figuratively fire. Additionally, um, my one like matchup thing was just that the Colts' secondary sucks. And they do. They really do. You can tear them up. But Josh Allen's just so inaccurate that like it doesn't matter. As long as you're as deep as his receivers, they might as well be covered. Because when he's on, you can't cover him anyway. And when he's not on, it doesn't matter. And that's exactly what they did. They just played really deep shells. And when he missed, they were there uh side note we are at the beginning of the second quarter and tom brady just had his first bad throw That hey, motherfucker! what a bitch all right
1: i think that wraps us up on uh fuck you pay me or all right i think that wraps us up on the fucks
0: yeah i mean we could get into kansas city but we kind of already did and uh yeah you don't you don't get to say fuck you to me on new orleans i know
1: i know <laughs> that's why i didn't actually say it i just wanted to put it In our outline, I, uh, I had put a, uh,
0: Tom Brady just jumped over a guy (laughs) kind of, and then fucking baseball slid into the guy's legs. (laughs) Yo, he was totally trying to injure that dude, which is, I I love Tom Brady to death, but that is a thing that he has always done is try to injure people with his slides. Yeah,
1: no, he's 100% a dick, right? Yeah.
0: Like there was one Mm -hmm. game and I think it was an AFC championship game against the Ravens and he fucking stuck his leg up to trip up one of the ravens linebackers or some shit and i was like uh i'm gonna ignore it because it doesn't fit my narrative (laughs) wondrous this is when i was in middle school and had no money on the line because i was in middle school anyways that's the fucks so we're gonna do things a little bit differently now we're gonna we're gonna semi-retire the gas or fade segment okay my mergers and acquisitions lawyer is going to come out. We're not retiring the gas or fade segment. We are simply, we are simply uh, spinning it over into a parent company, which we will for now call, where's the angle? Uh, this, this spin-off transaction basically just means gassing and fading things is a part of what we're going to do, but we're going to do more.
1: Exactly. So this will just give us a little bit more room. You talked about there aren't always times where we want to like, gas somebody or fade someone we just go hey i think this is a weakness for this team or this is a strength for this team and we should look when they have a matchup this way or that way we can get value on them
0: yeah we we see shit that we don't think the market does and there's a way to make money and it's not always as easy as we bet on this team more often
1: exactly so that said joe where's the angle
0: Okay, this angle is a little late, but I think it's just as relevant now as it was last week. Again, I'm sorry we did not put out a pod last week. Bear with us. But Kansas City is back to the extent that they're going to be back. I don't say this because they beat the Cowboys. Fuck that. We can get into the Cowboys a little bit later. I say this because the Raiders came out playing mostly cover three against Mahomes, but when they would occasionally play cover two and the entire game playing cover three, Mahomes finally just took the checkdowns and was average. And that's all he needs to be. That's all he needs to be because Mahomes has been mostly very bad this year. In 2020, Mahomes had a lot of games where he was like a C or a D quarterback. But when Mahomes has a C or a D game with that coach and that roster, that turns into like 330 yards passing, two touchdowns and a 14 point win. So if Mahomes can be a C quarterback, we've got an angle. We can gas Kansas City. And, yeah, like, it sucks that now they just fucking manhandled the Cowboys, you know, not on primetime, but might as well have been primetime because now the entire nation is going to be, you know, waking up to the fact that Kansas City's back and everybody's been dying for Kansas City to come back. So, like, our value is gone as soon as we get it. But yeah. they are back. Yeah,
1: this was a tough one. Of uh, Everyone's just waiting for them to have the one week to give us validation to bet on them again because everyone thinks they're great they should be great and so they just we just need like the chrome of like yes they're good here's your evidence you can bet on them and think they're good again so that's where it kind of sucks and we we miss value there i mean we got it last week which is nice i'm i'm hoping maybe people are still hesitant and try and go oh you know what this is a fluke and we can get value the other way we'll see but Mahomes has been getting a little bit more calm. I don't want to say conservative because it's still Mahomes, but exactly what you're saying where he's actually he's taking things instead of forcing things. And with the amount of talent they have, they're still going to get those crazy plays that turn into sixty yard touchdowns or whatever, and eight yard or eight second plays where they're all running around scramble drill and turn things in. They just have to not give the other team
0: points yeah fuck it you've got Tyreek Hill if the ball touches his hands I don't care where they touch his where it touches his hands on the field that play could score yes we fucking saw it and they they realized that they're like we could do a bunch of shit to get Tyreek the ball or we could just hand it to him and it works because the thing about Tyreek Hill is you can't catch him and
1: then on the other side the the Chiefs defense has actually started to put in some pretty good performances and you had keyed in on one a big change they've made that seems to have led to this.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm, I think that this change means more than anybody could know. So for the beginning of the season, Chris Jones had been playing defensive end. Chris Jones has always been a three technique. Um, when he plays in a three-four system, he can be a four technique. But really, he should be a three technique. What's a three technique? It's the defensive tackle that lines up in between the center and the guard. So like in that gap and his job is usually to rush the passer. These are like Aaron Donald's your faster guys. He um he's a really fucking good 3 technique. He's a bad defensive end because it is way easier to be a 3 technique than a defensive end. Like there's a reason that when you draft Clellan Farrell and he sucks, you try him out at defensive tackle before you give up on him.
1: Wait, let's stop. Did you say the 3 tech is in between the guard and the center? Oh, uh,
0: yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yeah, that, he's that in between one. the
1: tackle and the guard, right?
0: <laughs> yes. He goes zero over the center, one between the guard and the center. Three, he goes odds: one, three, five, seven. Ah, uh, right. Jim Schwartz uses a nine, but basically nobody else. Um, yes. So the three technique is: if you ever if you ever play Madden like oh four halfback sting, that runs at the three technique. Halfback, what a deep cut, dude! <laughs> I've played two Maddens: oh four and twenty five. So. <laughs> Uh, if you run halfback dive, you run at the nose guard or nose tackle. If you run sting, you're running at the three tech. And if you're running off tackle, you're running at an end. That's a good way to think about it.
1: Yeah. I also think just saying three tech is what Aaron Dottle normally does is a good way of doing it because everyone knows where he plays. That when is you true. you watch the, the Rams play, they circle him about 40 times on the broadcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they move Chris Jones back to three tech, which is a much easier position to play. And it's just what he's built for. This means that they – so between him and Jerron Reed out of Alabama, who I like, they legitimately have like a really good defensive tackle pair. And then on the outside, they got Frank Clark, who until yesterday had been terrible. But yesterday was – he was back. It's like somebody gave him his Uzis back and let him hit his girlfriend. He was in his element. Don't forget – Frank. I wanted –
1: I wanted to shout Cleveland legend Frank Clark after you said his name and that he did well, and then you went into his crimes, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't want to associate."
0: Well, hey, I mean, he's more from my old neck of the woods now because he had two arrests with a loaded, unregistered Uzi, 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 like a machine, like a submachine gun, uh, in his car, a few blocks from where I used to live, and he never even saw a courtroom. <laughs> he- Anyhow, uh, he was playing good football again, probably because he got his loaded guns back. Uh, and then on the other end, and this is what I'm more jazzed about, is Alex Okafor, who has just—he's a guy who's never gotten a chance. I loved him coming out of Texas, and he is a he is a consummate second-end. Like, I mean, he's no Jadeveon Clowney defensive end, too, but he is a really good 2nd defensive end. And—well, no. He is a good 2nd defensive end. Like, just—he's a B. He's a B guy. So now you have a B at one end. Apparently you have another B at the other end because Frank Clark is playing football again. And then you've got an A and a B to B plus at defensive tackle. That is a good line. And it showed up because they had a 50% pass rush win win rate against the Cowboys in some part because Dak was holding on to the ball. But, I mean, that's a good fucking stat. Yeah, that's crazy. It's
1: an absurd stat.
0: And again, some of it is because they will have a play that is designed to be a three-step drop, and Dak isn't trusting his receivers or isn't reading as fast as he usually does. And the protection is meant to give him two seconds. It takes him three to get it out, which means that they win within two and a half seconds. So, like, you know, it's a stat. It's not always perfect. But uh, you could round about half of that win win rate off, and it's still really good. (laughs) Like, 25 is good. So, okay. Is there,
1: I feel like those are the main drivers of why they're turning things around and that their D line has gotten very strong and Mahomes isn't trying to be a hero that wins the game on every
0: play. I was going to say on every play, cause he's still doing that. Like he had the fumble, he had a Oh yeah, but
1: right. Cause he's <laughs> still, it's still Mahomes and that's still part of his game that it, to a certain extent, you, like you want him to be taking those crazy plays cause they work. And if you take those away from him, then like he's going to completely fall apart. Like you're going to change his identity, a whole problem. So that's part of it. But you just don't want him doing it all the time. Yeah. So I think that's the the value for them is as long as Mahomes is still, you know, it takes some checkdowns and the D line can get some pressure and mess with some, uh, some of the run game of the other team. The Chiefs might be a little bit bad. Now, I do want to talk about the Cowboys next. I do too. So you called him, you called it and said they were going to take, have a step back game. Now, some of it, was, I think his injuries in that Dak doesn't know he's not comfortable. He's not comfortable with the guys that were out there or at their health. So he wasn't ripping where he might normally, but yeah, I think we, we are getting to the other end of, yeah, they're probably a little overrated now and they're coming back to earth. what, what, Where did you see the value that came back to taking Kansas City? Because it wasn't just a Kansas City bet for you, was it?
0: No. Um, Side note, I think Tom Brady leads the league in interceptions on perfectly thrown balls that were fucked with somehow. Uh, Screen pass to Mike Evans in his hands and then into the Giants' hands. We might get good live value on the Buccaneers shortly. I am holding my breath. Anyhow, Dak Prescott... I have watched almost every snap he's ever taken in the NFL, because I've had a hot take on him since the fucking first snap of his career. Dude's nothing. He's not good. He's probably average. He might be average. Dak Prescott was missing Amari Cooper, who is a great, albeit not elite, receiver. And he was missing Tyron Smith, who is an elite offensive tackle. This means that his wide receiving core was merely really good instead of great, and his offensive line was merely good instead of awesome. Dak Prescott rewarded me by turning in an F performance. He's terrible. He was accurate on only 61.5% of his throws. 39.5% of his plays were negative. The guy was a fucking, oh my God, did Andrew Thomas just catch a touchdown? He did.
1: Remember how I told you I was playing Daniel Jones?
0: Yeah. All right. We're going to pause the podcast so I can try to make a live bet here. All right. We couldn't get a bet in because the bookies are fucks and it's still minus seven and a half. And that's just not enough. Um, I want to get under a touchdown if we're going to do this. Anyhow, it's probably what everyone wants to do. Hence why seven yeah, and a half. that's exactly why it's seven and a half. Because <laughs> I would be, I might. Okay, oh. <laughs> Dak Prescott was bad. Thirty-nine point five percent of his plays were negative. Just fucking bad. My Hulu app is not playing. My Hulu app is now playing. Sorry. I don't. I don't think that Dak Prescott is who people think he is. I, and I promise I've watched more of him than they have, I think that he's about Kirk Cousins, somewhere in that range, as like a as like a middling to below average quarterback, somewhere between, I don't want this guy, why do I have him, and this is fine for now. And yesterday he proved it. Things around him weren't perfect, and he was terrible. Frankly, I, I said this in an argument on Twitter today, which is something I thought I was done with, Dak prescott's receivers yesterday were cd lamb in the first let's just do the first half because he was terrible in the first half too he had cd lamb that's a very good receiver he had michael gallup that is a good receiver fine wide receiver too he had cedric wilson i think is an awesome wide receiver three any one of those three dudes is probably the best receiver on the browns this year close
1: i i think dpj is probably ahead of cedric wilson it's close but but yeah i mean i I kind of
0: prefer Wilson personally. I really like him though. Like I'm high on him.
1: Yeah, if I mean but the Browns and I'm probably higher on DPJ than most other people are. So, yeah, I mean probably if we're talking pure wide receiver and not just like catch pass catcher, yeah, they yeah. all three of them would be best. And yeah. it's not even that like those guys are incredible. I like those guys, but the Browns have just been horrible at wide receiver this year.
0: Suffice to say those are three dudes who are in total a good wide-receiving core at the least. And then their offensive line, like, yeah, the names are gone in that, well, the name (laughs) is gone in that Tyron Smith is out, but it's still a really good offensive line. And the running backs are both really good, and Blake Jarwin is a fine tight end. Like, he's not good, but he's Austin Hooper in that he is enough. And you put all that shit together, Brady goes, deep, lovely. You should have played Gronk. Um, You put all that shit together, and Dak should absolutely be able to move the ball on this not very good Kansas City defense. Instead, he throws two pickable balls. He eats a couple of sacks. He's inaccurate 13 other times. He's just not what people think. And now that people are high on the Cowboys, I think there's an angle if we fade them when they play decent teams or when things just aren't perfect around Dak.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's smart. When, they're, when they play good teams and there's anything that is a, an obstacle for Dak, he can overcome some stuff, and he will put together a game or two a year where he kind of transcends some obstacles. But I think for the most part, he's he's taking what exists for him. If the team plays well, guys are open, they block well for him. He's gonna play well, and he'll score points, and he'll you know read defense as well with some accurate throws. But if the team kind of sucks or has an off day, or you know they get beat up, the defense is bad, and he has to create a lot and you know he's under pressure doesn't have a lot of separation he's gonna struggle and that's who he is and he's fine he's still a solid quarterback we've talked about it he's a franchise guy but he's not elite and I think we are getting to the point that the Cowboys are being treated like they're elite
0: yeah and people consider Dak Prescott a top five quarterback like that is a public perception that we can fade although we need to be careful about fading public perception because sometimes we overreact yeah yeah but just, I, I – oh, one more thing about Dallas is um, their defense is mad overrated, and that was not a fumble.
1: Yeah, their defense – I mean, we've talked about it at length that their secondary isn't very good, and a lot of it has been some of the turnover stuff and Trevin Diggs creating things for them. And additionally, helping to create the perception for the defense. And I think yes. perception and attitude on defense are almost as important as how you actually play because yeah. so much of it is just – like the the mental side of it and if you can get offenses scared of you picking them off and thinking that all right like we gotta we gotta worry about some of these dbs and then if you have the dbs like yeah we can get anybody like we're gonna play aggressive the d line plays harder because they trust the dbs more and so that helps the defense and it's where they've been at but they're still not actually that talented and that attitude
0: only takes you so far. Oh, my God. These are very good points, but uh, I'm just laughing at how much better Tom Brady is at quarterback than, like, literally everybody else in the NFL in the year 2021. He's old enough to be my father, almost. Depending, yeah, he's old enough to be my father. And that wouldn't be that weird. <sighs> it's kind of telling that I don't think it would be that weird that he would be my 19 year old father, but uh, I'm from the city. What other angles we got here? Ask me about. So we've talked
1: about the Bills a little bit already getting into how they performed last week, but maybe we should hammer down some, uh, some more concrete angles. What do you got for me?
0: Okay. Let's think this through. So Josh Allen, not good, but chaotic enough that it's difficult to tell when he'll be good and bad. So that's not really an angle Uh, could have an angle on the bills defense because they are, well, the rumor out there is that they're back. You know, last year they were bad, the year before that they were good, the year before that they were good. I'm a little reticent to call them back because they've been back against bad fucking teams. I think generally the Bills are a fraud. And I think generally they can't compete with any of the like, top two tiers of teams. But they don't really play anybody in those tiers. So what are we going to do? Bet against that? Okay. How do you feel about the Bills versus New England? Because that's going to be the next month of betting effectively. I mean that that's gonna suck because both teams are overrated. We won't get value. I yeah, and like you have the bastion of consistency in the Patriots versus chaos. So I don't know what to fucking do. A smart man does nothing, but I'm not that smart, or maybe I'm too smart. <sighs> I don't, I don't. As it is, as it stands, I don't really think there's anything to play on Buffalo. I think we just keep in the back of our mind that they're a fraud and wait for our spot.
1: Yep. I I was just looking at their schedule and they play the Bucks in week 14 that's probably the next time where you're gonna get it because that's where they have to play an elite team and assuming the bucks have their corners somewhat there they will but we'll we will get into that in a few weeks but yeah i think we just look for our
0: spots there of when they play elite teams we have to fade them we jump off that bridge when we come to it but i think that's perfect yes the bills are a fraud but they're probably better than whoever they're facing on a given week um, All right. Ask now, me about the Green Bay Packers. Joe, what do you think about the Green Bay Packers? They're still really good. And like, yeah, we got fucked, but we got fucked by God. Immaculate conception doesn't count. So like part of me almost wants to bet on them over L.A. And I think L.A. is the best team in the NFL. I know that's their their defense looks good. Eric like, Stokes is fucking so good good. And he will have a brain fart, kind of like I just had while trying to say the word brain fart. But he is so quick and so fast, and he stays in such good phase. His leverage is incredible. He looks like a young champ Bailey to me. He's that good. And he's playing in one of the hardest systems to play as a young defensive back. I was explaining this to you a little bit before the pod, and I won't go super deep because I know a lot of you don't give a fuck. But the Packers play a funky kind of defense that's a little bit new to the NFL. Is that Tony? No, that's Ross. The Packers play kind of a funky style of defense. I like to call it a fog defense, but basically it's a it's a zone defense where they play match. So it's cover to zone, but instead of everybody playing their zone and just like staying in that area, you stay in your area until somebody comes into it and then you play man on them and you go with them. So you don't have these problems that come out when that was tony throwing a bomb and that was a mugging by carlton davis or sean murphy bunting who gives a fuck? it's like buck's corner he's not good so the idea behind this fog defense is basically i call it a fog defense because when you look at it from the quarterback's perspective it's all just murky you don't fucking know who's covering who everybody's close to a wide receiver to a receiver but they're not on them on them Stokes is so fucking quick and so fucking fast that he is on them and in phase even in a match coverage which is designed to not have tight coverage. It's designed to allow some separation but just make things muddy for the quarterback. Now, he had two plays against the Vikings where he just busted, like he just picked the wrong guy, and that's going to happen cuz it's a really tough defense to run for a defensive back. But man, when he is if you were to just line him up and play man coverage on like a two high shell, just like straight up two man He'd probably be an all pro right now. He's that good. And Kadarius Tony is that good with the ball in his hands. God damn. Kadarius Tony is so good that he wears a number 89 and he still looks fast. Get this man a single digit.
1: Are you on the single digit train now, Joe? No. You for old man yelling at Cloud eight months ago.
0: And and I'm still old man yelling at podcast. I hate the single digits, but if anybody gets a single digit, Kadarius Tony is literally first on that list. Him and Tyree Kill are like the only dudes. Him and Tyreek Hill should both wear number one, and then everybody else goes back to the old numbers.
1: Yeah, I I don't really care, like, overall. Granted, I do think it's stupid when, like, some average linebacker wears a single digit. Like, single digits, you should have to be making at least $10 million a year, or have been drafted <laughs> in the first round. Like, there there got to be Parameters. some qualifications. You got to earn that single digit, or be yeah, a bigger. Or, kicker. like,
0: give them out, like, Michigan gives out, like, heritage numbers you know
1: exactly gotta earn them
0: like jadevian Clowney gets to tell you if you're allowed to wear number seven as a defensive end and that's just that's that um anyhow we're talking about green bay their defense is tricky it was it's not particularly great because if you have the balls to like actually fucking thread a needle or like attack a little bit of separation you can do really well quarterbacks like justin fields or daniel jones or Mitch Trubisky, who is just white Justin Fields.
1: Carson Wentz? Ah,
0: uh, no, he takes too many risks. So these, there are certain quarterbacks who need to see it before they throw it. Those guys will struggle against a fog defense. My concern is that a guy like Matt Stafford has balls of steel and they hang very low. And he will try to force it into those tight... I mean, he will. He won't try. He will successfully force it into those tighter windows, those NFL windows. Like Tom Brady will fuck a fog defense up you'll fuck it up good you'll fuck it up until it says that it loves him jokes that'll get mike tyson fired in 10 years but
1: i i can't even say anything anymore you know my position i can't be associated i just gotta (laughs) let my silence i'm I'm... kneeling in protest
0: It's disrespectful to the troops that fought for my right to say terrible things. (laughs) Turn off that football game right now. You don't
1: get to watch anymore.
0: (laughs) Green Bay's defense is tricky. I won't call it good yet. I kind of want to fade them because Aaron Rodgers is not as good as Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be. I kind of want to bet on them because they're very well coached and very consistent. And their offensive line is still superb, even though nobody seems to be playing for it anymore because offensive lines are like 80% coaching, maybe 40. I I struggle with Green Bay. Just know that I'm not betting on them every fucking week because I love them, although I have put most of my Green Bay bias away. Like, I don't think that I hate them just for existing anymore.
1: It's, it's much calmer, at least compared to a few years ago when you still liked the Bears. It was not- like Green Bay was on the TV, and you were like, oh, fuck them, man. You were rooting for the other team. I had to tell you, don't bet against Green Bay every time.
0: They're actually I le- good.
1: Just I legitimately made- had a
0: hard time watching, like seeing their colors on a TV made me sick. I'm not joking. Them, the Steelers and the Detroit Red Wings, like seeing them on the TV, like makes me feel, ugh, but not as much anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate because both the Steelers and the Packers have
0: great colors. I love oh yeah, I colors. love them. I love them in literally every other context.
1: They're wonderful. But we can, we can get back to the actual football content and uh, spare you guys from more of our jokes. I agree with you. I don't I don't want to keep gung-ho betting on the Packers like we have been doing because Rodgers, outside of the second half, he's been, of last week's game, he's been, like, fine. He's had some rough
0: stretches. He's been worse than fine most of the time.
1: Yeah, and, like, he still has moments where he comes out and you, he puts a drive together where you're like, oh, holy shit, yeah, that's Aaron Rodgers. But he's just had so many just like really average, like he just checks down, hopes and throws to one of his guys and hopes they do something. He's missing a lot of deep throws this year, which concerns me a little bit because it's kind of his bread and butter. Like, yeah. you know, he might not hit everything or always make the, the perfect decision, but he's going to hit some deep balls that no one else can or, you know, two other people in the league can. And he hasn't been doing that as much, so I worry about that catching up to the Packers. I think right now their defense is playing really well, but what you pointed out does scare me a little bit on them. The issue is that I don't think there are many good teams that can take advantage of this. Exactly. It's kind of the same thing as Buffalo, where I think they're still a good team. They're just a little overrated or are prime. They have some things that I think will are priming them for a fall but it there just aren't many teams that can take advantage of it and we're gonna have to find when they play an actual good complete team which there are what like three of those in the league right now two of those if i was any. gonna
0: say i would argue two if shit starts turning around quick i would say tampa and la but i'm not even fucking sure anymore i don't think there's any complete teams I, re- I, don't, I really don't think there's a single good fucking team, largely because I think there's one good quarterback. It's Tom Brady.
1: Yeah, that's it, it. You know, people harp on it enough, so we don't need to go into it, but it's absurd. The guy's still crazy good. He's going through generations of quarterbacks, and he's still the best one. He's been the best quarterback for 20 plus years. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there were a couple years early on when he was still learning. He was a little fat faced Tom. But. As,
0: mu- as much as I don't think stats mean shit, Tom Brady led the NFL in touchdown passes in his first year as a starter. Like his first full year. That's stupid. It was 28 because the NFL was not fun back then, but still. Um, okay, that Green Bay discussion dragged on way too long for reasons that have nothing to do with Green Bay. Let's talk about the Chargers. I went to bed last night, like mid-fourth quarter, thinking maybe the Chargers took that bye week and they're back. And I woke up this morning and realized no. They're they're still the same thing.
1: They, they're a team that is not as good as they should be because they don't utilize their talent as well as they could. And they're also young at important positions. So that's just a, a recipe for inconsistency. But this is another game where they played a bad team. And I know the Steelers are winning games and are ahead of the Browns, but I don't think the Browns are a good team either. Um they're they're still not a good team the the Steelers are have a bad quarterback an offensive line that just like fights for their life to not sabotage their game every play (laughs) and then they have good playmakers I mean Najee's been great Claypool's solid he does some things very well like he he can go run downfield and catch some jump balls and do some gadget big man stuff and then uh Deontay Johnson's fun he's fast but they still have nothing in the middle of the field, and the defense, TJ's been hurt back and forth this year, and while Alex Highsmith has come through and played really well, they're beat up in the front seven, and while
0: they're good, they're, they're not... Be, it, they're beat up on the back seven, too.
1: Yeah, and it, it it's just that the back seven doesn't matter as much to me, because like the best they're ever going to be is fine. Whereas the front seven to me is what wrecks games for the Steelers. Like that's, that's who their identity is. Where if their front seven isn't kind of like ruining your run game and freaking out your quarterback, then your defense might be in a little bit of trouble. So, so the Steelers are still not a good team to me, even if they're winning some games, I'll I'll fight that one. Steelers are not biased. I don't care. And the chargers who are much better are in theory, primed to take the next step needed everything in like a crazy last few minutes to pull off this game i know technically at home even though that stadium was all steelers fans
0: okay i will say this i saw somebody online saying justin herbert is so good but like don't overlook the fact that he's so good even though the stadium is so loud for the opposing team every time he's at home i want to i want to i want to spit some truth some boots on the ground speak some truth to you i went to the chargers hosting cowboys game LA is like twenty percent Cowboys fans. the f- The stadium was packed with Cowboys fans. It still wasn't that loud. For whatever reason, it's just not that loud of a stadium. Like even when the Cowboys fans were going crazy and they were the majority of the stadium, it just doesn't get that loud. So like let's not let's not be tickling Justin Herbert's balls because there's a buzz in the crowd while he plays football. Yeah. Anyhow, so- it frustrates me to no end that Justin Herbert. He's kind of like Josh Allen in that he can do anything on any given play, but he's not like Josh Allen in that he's actually accurate with the football. And they don't fucking care. Like, he has to break outside of the play in order to just showcase the fact that he's accurate downfield. Because they run such a castrated offense. And then, this is what doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Brandon Staley, the uh, Twitter's love child, on defense, his whole philosophy is, we'll give you all the short stuff and then and the run. Like, you can run, you can throw underneath, we won't let you throw deep. Which implies, necessarily, that he thinks chunk plays are the most important part of scoring points, right? This is correct. I agree with this. I think that he's gone a little too far, because you can stop the chunk plays without allowing everything on the ground. But, regardless he's figured out generally how you score points on offense. So then why the fuck does his offensive coordinator run the exact opposite offense? It's like he picked an offensive coordinator that is perfectly tailored to defeat his defense specifically, which no one else runs except Joe Woods, which makes sense because it beat up on Joe Woods.
1: Good point. Brandon Steeley is just like, you know what, I'm trying to create the best defense for what, or best offense for if what this, the NFL's going to do.
0: If this They're offense can beat, beat my defense, it'll be great, because I have the best defense. But It's just, it's very stupid. Tom Brady just threw a fucking elite ball to Cameron Brayton. He dropped it. Do the Bucks not
1: like Tom Brady? Because they drop a ton of his passes.
0: Now that I look at it, uh, the defensive back actually did tip it. It still hit Brayton in the hands, but... Not as perfect as I thought downgrading that ball from perfect to great. No? Good. You don't get a great throw for one that's deflected into the hands, but it can be good. Um They don't they don't catch Brady's passes. Now, that one was perfect, I think. Let me see how much he had to extend. Perriman should have caught that. Yeah, he just got confused by the ball being in the light. <laughs> well, that's why he's Brashad Paraman. Yeah. We're talking about the Chargers. I generally think that they're fadeable and inconsistent. That's it. Yeah, I think that they're, you know,
1: they have a lot of people, a lot of players that people like. Their Twitter team is great. Staley has said a lot of good things. He's a young, exciting coach. Justin Herbert is likable and fun. Derwin James, Joey Bosa, have both been really exciting defensive players for a while now. So they're a team that it's really easy to get excited about, but right now I don't think it's worth getting excited about them. And I think we get value there because similar to how I think, you know, like where people jump right back onto the chiefs bandwagon, if we get one good game from the chargers, I think everyone will jump right back onto that of Justin Herbert's a top six quarterback and about to take over the league. Like people were doing the first four weeks. So I think yeah. our angle there is, is not necessarily when they play a good team but when they come off of a very good win.
0: And I think even when they play a good team, I think that the Chargers are the Browns with better PR. Yeah. They they, they, they run defense. the same fucking defense, they run a similar offense. They castrate their great young quarterbacks similarly even though Justin Herbert can walk and Baker currently cannot. And they're just they're not ready and people want them to be ready. So I guess that's sort of the people missed out on our eulogy for the Browns last week, which again, we recorded like 20 minutes of giving up on the Browns and saying they're not it. But basically we've come away with let's put our logical hats on and they're just not like they're a poorly coached team on every area of a football team, like special teams, eh. defense, terrible offense, not good, not terrible, but not good. Their quarterback is banged up to high hell. Their offensive line is okay. Their wide receivers are terrible, and their running backs—well, it's a very deep IR. So
1: yeah, I, like, I mean we we've talked about them at length on yeah. multiple episodes. Uh, wrapping them up, yeah, I think it's either that the coaching is terrible or the front office and coaching.
0: <laughs> now I'm gonna have to edit your fucking bodily function out, you bitch good I want you to be up later I want to make your day harder tomorrow uh they now I don't remember what I was saying either the coaching is terrible or
1: the front office and the coaching are
0: both not good yeah
1: so it's either the the coaching is really bad for on field that's why they're getting all these penalties and guys are out of position all the time And, you know, the, the offense is not producing the defense gets absolutely obliterated by anyone with any sort of physicality. So it's either the coaches are bad there or the front office just screwed up with like most everyone they brought in because, which I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think Joe Woods is terrible. I think Stefanski is fine, but he's not a guy that is going to like be able to take over a team and fix guys and Barry went with or you know the front office went with a lot of guys that you know they projected into different positions I mean they have they have three strong safeties and no free safeties they have a bunch of three techniques and those nose tackles they have one linebacker that can go on a field like so it might just be that the guys they pick suck and it's not on the coaching. They just have shitty guys that don't know how to play football, but something is very bad and the Browns are not on the same page and not going well. And you're right. And I think the Chargers are kind of in the same place. I think they're just a little bit earlier in the process. So they aren't turning on each other. Yeah, there's
0: still hope. Right. But yeah, they're definitely
1: in similar positions.
0: I think you've wrapped that up just in time because I was totally about to hit you with the wrap it up. beat. That's our Chappelle reference for the day. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna put the cherry on top of our Browns analysis for the day. I am firmly Team Baker force a trade. I want to see him get traded for Deshaun Watson. Fuck you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Don't I think that's that. a perfect way to leave that. Um, Arizona. I think, and, if, and by contrast, Seattle.
1: Yeah, I think Arizona. We we can get value on betting on them if their backups continue to play and if kyler comes back then we have to look to fade them yeah and i think i don't I think, think it's because
0: they're be- i think that in both cases it's a, it's a matter of yo these teams might literally be better with their backup quarterback
1: i don't know if they're better but they play different or is seattle plays a little different arizona plays the same i think the biggest thing is just the perception of the other team of when russ is out there you you play the the game very differently than when geno smith is out there so geno actually has a different field that he's playing against and as far as kyler versus colt mccoy obviously they're worried about deep balls with kyler and they're worried about him running around and so stretches when think, out your field. Oh, right and so then when they think oh colt mccoy we don't have to do any of that but then they run the same exact offense then the defense gets all thrown off
0: Wait a second. Are you telling me that Cliff Kingsbury is actually a good coach because he calls plays very well and it creates yards for bad quarterbacks? I was told he was bad. In Cliff Kingsbury,
1: whatever you think of him as a head coach, he is undoubtedly a great offensive mind. Yep. I know Arizona, Arizona fans have gotten a little upset with the the amount of screens they've run the last few years that it's kind of like oh we're throwing the ball two yards behind the line of scrimmage or 30 yards downfield
0: they must fucking hate sean payton and josh mcdaniels then
1: but it works man
0: yeah on the other side seattle so arizona we think they're basically the same team and the line does not so we get great value In Seattle, I'm actually pretty sure Geno Smith's a better quarterback than Russell Wilson. You mean right now? No, just period. He's better.
1: Like moving forward in the NFL, you would rather have contracts
0: for the same. Yeah. Do you know why? Why I I don't think Russell Wilson is capable of doing anything at an average NFL quarterback level aside from throw the ball deep. Because his pocket mobility, as fast and quick as he is, is actually not good. And he no longer runs because he's in his 30s. So all that's left is throwing the ball deep. And as long as you put your fucking safeties way up high, you tell your corners that when in doubt, go deep. He can't do anything. We're looking at almost an entire year of him being actively terrible. The last time he had a decent game or better, was week 11 of 2020, he had an A- minus against Arizona in Arizona. Since then, it's all been Cs and below, mostly a lot below. (laughs) And
1: those numbers, they don't even, like, I'm not even shocked to hear that those are the grades he's churning out because he hasn't looked good since the midway point of last season. You know, he got that crazy MVP hype after the first few weeks, and then he went the complete opposite way, and we know it's because teams started changing how they play him. And they've just continued it. And after last year, I thought, okay, maybe you know, he just needs to go readjust. They'll go, all right, they figured out what we're doing. We can go replan, put in some new stuff this offseason, come back. But they've come back this season and tried to do the exact same thing, essentially. And it's going similarly poor. And then Russ broke his finger, so now he's a little beat up on top of he doesn't he doesn't know how to beat what they're
0: doing. Even when so the against the rams in week five before he got hurt he was he played a c plus game it was close to being a b minus game it was almost decent and in that game the rams gave him all the short shit he wanted and by short i mean like the first 12 yards of the field were open they funneled everything to the middle and they played a deeper shell with boundary coverage basically basically a prevent defense We're not going to let you target the sideline. We're going to force you to use the middle and we're going to force you to throw between 5 and 15 yards downfield. And he couldn't. And a little bit of it, I mean, like the old head, like base logic is he's fucking short, man. He can't see over the line. He can't throw over the line short to the middle. And that makes some sense because he also does take really fucking deep dropbacks in order to help facilitate his sight lines. And maybe because he's taking 10 to 15-yard fucking dropbacks, it's much harder for him to throw a 5 to 10-yard pass downfield or past the line of scrimmage than it is for most quarterbacks. Because, you know, a regu- let's say Tom Brady drops back and throws a 5-yard downfield slant, it's about 8 yards in real life because his dropback is short. He's tall, has an over-the-head delivery, and sees over his line. But also, Wilson does a 5-yard downfield slant. He's 10 yards in the backfield. It's a 15-yard pass. There's a lot more room for error. So maybe that's just why he's not good at the short stuff. It doesn't really matter. He can't do the short stuff. He's not very good at the second level stuff. He's really only good at that moon ball. Like long before people talked shit about Patrick Mahomes being figured out by the too high shell, Russell Wilson got fucking figured out by the too high shell. Like It's really easy.
1: Yeah. So I I think for them, it's just going to be bet against Russ. I think our issue is just that I don't know if we're going to get much value there because it seems like people are – Finally cooling on
0: let Russ cook. <laughs> maybe we maybe we put Russ on the back burner. He could be he could be our sauce chef.
1: Yeah, no, he's he's not doing that shit, man. He's he's working the fryers. This is he's <laughs> is, day one. They're not even putting him on, you know, salads, man. That's he's microwaving up the on. cheese
0: sauce. <laughs> <laughs> if he's at Chipotle, they have him on the line. He is far from the kitchen. He, yeah, he's he's on port one man. um <laughs> yeah on jokes. we have shared career paths um yeah i don't i think we might get a little bit of value on seattle just because i'm i'm still seeing on twitter like oh they got to get russ out of seattle carol's ruining him oh they they got to get russ to who's russ gonna play for next year the cowboys the the broncos all the big name teams like I'm hoping that that dunce logic carries into the line, but who knows? I'm trying to cut down on how much I consume and pay the fuck attention to dunce logic because I overreact to it out of hatred, yeah, and
1: I think that's just one of those one of those things of you get the you get filtered the extreme takes just because that's what gets attention, so then you start thinking people think differently than the actual do, and they actually do and can put us up for uh you know bad angles on things,
0: yeah, I like. For instance, the Patriots, everybody on Twitter is like, oh, are the Patriots Super Bowl contenders? And I'm like, no, fuck that shit. I hate you. You're so fucking dumb. I got to fade the Patriots every fucking week. When in reality, it's like, well, there's a wide gap between Super Bowl contender and terrible. Maybe the Patriots are just consistently okay. And maybe in a down NFL year, that means it's tough to bet against them. Exactly.
1: And I think if we, the next part of our little angles here are teams that I don't think are good but we can't actually get value on them. And that's the Patriots and the Eagles, right? now.
0: Yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same fucking thing. Like, they attack you in the same way, which is just they do something a little different than everybody else is doing, and teams aren't really geared up to stop it. Teams aren't exactly fucking digging into their playbooks on Monday and practicing extra long on Wednesday so that they can face the Eagles and Patriots right now. We're at that midpoint area of the season where everybody's kind of, You know, the excitement of the early season's gone. The excitement of the late season playoff push is not here yet. Every game feels a little less consequential than other games. Who the fuck is going to get up and reinvent their defense and really get psyched to stuff a halfback dive and a halfback sting and a halfback off tackle and a halfback misdirection when you play the Patriots, or basically the same thing with quarterback involvement when you play the Eagles? Not me. So, like, the Chargers didn't change shit against the Eagles, and therefore the Eagles gashed them. The Saints didn't change shit against the Eagles. They ran cover one man every fucking play like they always fucking do, and the Eagles just said, okay, well, then we won't throw the ball. Well, quarterback run, you've got nobody spying, you've got no zones, so everybody's turned their back to the quarterback. Jalen Hurts will run free, and they did. And that's kind of one of those – it's not quite a matchup angle – because trust me, if it was, we would see it. It's more of just a logistical angle. How do you mean? Like, if you are a team like the Chargers or a team like the Browns, and you think that you're a good team and that what you do works well enough to beat most teams, are you really going to sit down the week you're playing the Patriots or the Eagles and alter your defense, change what you do, and, you know, put together a special game plan to beat these below average to average teams? Um, This is why we're so much better at betting in the playoffs, because in the playoffs, everybody's at max motivation. Like, we know every team is coming with their best shit, and I absolutely know how to scout a team's best shit. If I know I'm getting a full like full effort performance from the coaches and the players, I'll tell you who wins 90% of the time, which I've done in the playoffs for, like, five years. But November is a month where I start to struggle, because it gets colder out. The will of the players starts to drain, because... I don't want to tackle that guy when I'm cold and I don't really care because the playoff push hasn't started. It's not cool because the season's been going on for a while. It's just one of those things where like the it's not even so much psychological because it's universal. It's it's just logistical. I'm not reinventing my playbook for an okay team. It's the Georgia Tech effect. It's the Baltimore Ravens effect.
1: I see exactly what you're talking about. You're right.
0: Yeah, so that one
1: and and might be that we just have to absolutely hammer, pray to God, the Patriots make the playoffs, which probably will happen. Oh, and, then they do. Just, <laughs> and then just bet the car on uh, I don't have a house, so I can't say that. Um, I don't have
0: a car, so I'll bet one month of New York rent. It's similar. How about that?
1: Uh, <laughs> bet the car on whoever's playing the Patriots. I don't think the Eagles are going to get into the playoffs, so we won't get them there. But it's finding, I mean, they might, but the Dude. NFC has
0: like some talent. It's not even so much that the NFC has talent, so much as it lines up perfectly for them. They have a shot. It'd Be so ridiculous. Oh, if it happens, it, it looks like either them or the Vikings are going to make it, and that's just going to be a goddamn atrocity. And you know what? I that I would. that would be the fucking Bears if they didn't put in stupid ass Justin Fields and they didn't get their entire defense hurt. Yeah, that that also plays in. A the second bit. one hurts. I mean, the first one hurts more, but I did. I saw it coming. The second one, I did not see coming. And with that, I think we've done it. I think we have, we have covered,
1: covered a wide range of topics for everyone today. Make up for a, uh, a week without.
0: Yeah. And, and what do you think? We'll be back tomorrow to do a call to go through. Might even, might even break it up, put out a little special Thanksgiving three game call. So you can listen in 15 minutes and get all your Turkey day bets in. But, uh,